Come on, let's give God a big hand for that. Amen. Amen. That is amazing, 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 amazing. Do you realize, just let me give you some context, uh, that less than 1% of churches anywhere in the United States, regardless of denomination, regardless of, of, of location, regardless of size, less than 1% of churches will do what you just did and what you've been doing. The giving at Life Church in with, with greater giving, this giving around the corner around the world, is, uh, is, it's, it's doubled in the last six years. And so, again, thank you for your generosity. Today we're celebrating that. We're celebrating what God's doing through you. I think that today you will leave feeling like, wow, man, I can, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's somewhere in the Bible. Amen? Amen. Well, it's good to have you today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and just want to welcome everybody to all of our campuses, at the Appleton campus, at the Brookfield campus, at the Milwaukee campus, Germantown campus, online, wherever you're connecting to with us from, wherever you are, we're glad to have you. This is our greater weekend. This is a weekend where we celebrate what God has done through you and through your Generosity Life Church in the past year, and where we look forward to what God is going to do for us and, what, and through us in this particular year. And so again, your generosity is is an all-time high, and, and there's a book that you either received when you came in or that's on the seat in front of you. I would just encourage you, any point in time you want to pick this up and look at this, I'm going to kind of hit several projects through here. I am not going to read this, uh, but, but there are several things that are going to happen. This picture on the front is very important. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, and, but it just talks some stories of, of what's happening, of, of, of what you're doing, of, of, where, of where your giving is going, and then where we project it to go. Uh, in, in this next year. And so then there's also a commitment card I'm going to come back to uh, at every campus. There's a commitment card that looks just like this that's inside that booklet. And um, I'm going to come back to give you an opportunity to basically commit to pray, commit to go, commit to give, any, all above, whatever you want to do at the end of the service today. I'm not taking necessarily a physical offering, but more just a, hey, would you commit of your time and your talent and your treasure uh, to go above and beyond, around the corner, around the world this year? And so I, I want to give you a text. I want to give you a starting point. I'm going to give you several scriptures today, but I just want to give you a verse that's really on my heart as we go into this year around the corner and around the world. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, the Bible says this, and the good news or the gospel about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end shall come. So the gospel, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so all nations will hear it and then the end shall come. So Matthew 24 verse 14, Jesus gives us the why we care about going around the corner and around the world. We know Eschatologically, we know that in the eschaton of time, as things begin to unfold, we know that the gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the return of Christ will come. Now, will it come in that exact moment? We don't know. Will it be 10 seconds later? We don't know. Will it be a year later? We don't know. What, what that season or that, we just know that once the gospel has been preached, once the gospel has been presented, once the gospel has been given around the world, then the end will come, which for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, we welcome that end because the, our world is going crazy. Have you, you agree, anybody? No? And again, I'm not, don't think I'm down on things. Like, I'm going to go eat lunch today. There's a new restaurant I want to go to. Like, don't think I'm, like, hating on life. Like, I'm, I'm all about this. There are golf courses I want to play. There, there are beaches I want to lay on. Amen? No? Yes? 
snow that I want to shovel? No, okay. There's things I, I want to do, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, but, but what I know is as I look around and as I see what's going on, the only hope for our world is Jesus. But that's not new. It says it right there that when this gospel, that word gospel in the Greek means good news. I am a sinner in need of a savior and his name is Jesus. And God loved me and he loved you so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. When that's preached in all the world, then the end will come. So that's, that's why we do it. That's the big why. You get that. That's why you give so crazily, extravagantly. I can't believe your accountants let you do that. But anyhow, how do we do that? To give you three things. This isn't new, but three things. Number one, we pray. I know it sounds really like a Sunday morning statement to make, but I'm going to unpack this. We pray. Luke chapter 10, verse 2 says that Jesus is speaking that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, who is in charge of the harvest, and ask him to send more workers into these fields. Into not these fields, his fields. They're not mine. They're not yours. They're his. It's not my responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's his. But we've been called to work in the master's fields. We've been called to work in our Lord and Savior's field. We've been called to be field workers, to work in these fields. But the harvest is plentiful. What's the harvest? The harvest is, is the good news, what we just talked about. It's the why we do what we do. It's, it's the good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ preaching to all the world. Whoever will hear, whoever will listen, whoever will receive will be saved. And so, but, but the people to go do that it's not a lack of need. It's not a lack of opportunity in our world. It's we need workers. And so I shared with you a little bit last week, but, but I spent time in the, U, in the UAE, the United Arab of Emirates, and then in Oman and, and uh, in different places in that part of the, of the Middle East for about seven to ten days. I was on the ground. And where I was and the cities that I was in, uh, you, you can't openly... You can't openly um, Share Jesus. Oh, I can as an outsider, and, and I can go to what they would call an expat church, which is just filled full of other people from the United States that are working in, in those various cities. But, but the truth of the matter is, in order for me to share the good news, the gospel that's preached into all the world, and then the shall come, in order for me to do that, it's illegal. For someone who is, who is, who is a national of, of that area of the world, it's illegal for them to convert into Christianity almost to the point of, or could be to the point, not almost, depends upon how they want to do it, to the point of death. And so the truth of the matter is, is that we have missionaries, or they're called M's in that part of the world, and they're going in, and they're giving of their lives, in essence. They're going in with their families, and they're, they're serving in these parts of the world. They call them live-dead missionaries. The ideology comes from where Paul says is to, you know, it's basically is, is we're, we're, we're dead men walking anyhow. We're dead in our sins and our transgression and to live is die and, to, and, to, and, and to, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so there's no downside. So if I'm here on this earth, I'm going to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I know that's, that's the work of, of the kingdom. And when that's shared in all the world, then the end shall come. But at the same time, if I perish, then I do it in the name of the Lord. So be it. I was having this conversation with my parents, and they were asking me questions, and my mom had done some research from some of the cities I'd been in. She, she kind of got on Facebook and online, right? Amen. They can get your mom in trouble. So anyhow, I love you, mom. But anyhow, so 
Um, and, and they said, that just sounds really unsafe, Aaron. We were praying for you the entire time you were gone. It's just very unsafe. And I asked this question because I, I think we forget this. Whoever said the gospel was safe? Whoever said following Jesus was safe? Every one of the disciples, every one of them died a, 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 died a, a martyr's death, except for John, the, John who dies on the Isle of Patmos because they try to boil him alive in oil and he, can, he won't die. So they exile him, and when he's on the Isle of Patmos, he writes the book of Revelation. See, this whole idea of safe Christianity, it is a Western American ideal. Again, let's go back to my statement previously. There are beaches I want to go lay on. There are restaurants I want to eat at. There are malls I would like to shop. Amen, can I get a witness? I'm not talking like, don't think, oh, he's going to tell us just to sell everything and go. <laughs> That's next week. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but we get this idea that this is all, and it's not. The work of the gospel may, I hope it never does, but it may require us to do some very uncomfortable things. And when you think about that, when you think about that, what happens at the end of all of that is that is it to take up an offering becomes very, wow, just so benign. So, so, intru so non-intrusive. When you think about having to, 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 to do these, to, to maybe go on a mission trip or, 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 or to volunteer of your time seems very like, uh, un, un, even like I'll do that. Because I'm talking about people that are willing to go and live of their lives. I mean, I was on the phone with a missionary who's a live dead missionary in a different country. And he's been banned from that country. That missionary has been on this platform. I know him personally. I did not know. I was on a FaceTime call with another colleague of his in that country. We had to speak code the entire time because they're listening. They're bringing in professional interrogators in order to try to keep these missionaries out of these countries. Because there's windows of opportunity. And every time I come before you and I present a project, every project that's in a book every year, there are a window of opportunity that we have an opportunity to take the gospel of that part of the world. And why do we do that? Because when that gospel is preaching to all the world, then the end shall come. That's what we're called to do. Go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel, right? Jerusalem, that's our, our hometown. Jer Jer uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so you go, well, you said praise. Let's get back to prayer, Aaron. You're talking about safety. Exactly right. In that conversation, the, the guy who kind of is leading the Live Dead initiative, Dick Brogdon, said this, we have been able to see a direct correlation between the amount of prayer and the impact that we are having in these Muslim Middle Eastern communities. We know that cognitively, but he's telling me, we know that the more prayer that we give, the more we're being able to see lives change because everything that's happening there is not about planting a church. It's about one-on-one -on -one one beggar to another beggar, where to find food. And when that person converts to Christianity, when they give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, when they began to serve Jehovah God, not Allah, then their life is on the line. Their livelihoods are on the line. Prayer works. We know this, but it's hard work. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer changes lives. That's the reason why Jesus called us to pray and, and, and ask us to pray. And so we are called to pray. Jesus, as an Orthodox Jew, would have prayed three times daily, 25 different specific times in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus addresses the subject of prayer. Why? Because it's important to pray. 
And how many times do we, do I, do you, do us just kind of skate over that? Because we know, and I'm not talking about reciting a prayer, and that's all great, good, and fine, but I'm talking about having an intimate time with the Lord where you pray through, where your heart is burdened, where, where, where you begin to pray. I mean, there's missionaries that are listed in this book, and I would tell you, take those missionaries and pray for them regularly. If you have nothing else to pray for, if everything in your life is rainbows and roses, pray for these missionaries. Oh, God, put a hedge of protection around them. Oh, God, help them in this season. Because there are men and women and there are families in these pages. And there are people that you support that we can't even put in these pages because they would be extradited outside of that country because it's that dangerous. Prayer works. Second thing that we do is that we give. People are like, man, I'm glad he's going to the giving part. He'd never wanted to give so much in all your life. Okay. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, give generously to the poor and not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. That's just one verse out of dozens of verses in Scripture that talk about how when we operate with generosity, with our resources, God blesses and uses it. How we are called as children of God to be able to, to do that. I know, and again, I've said this before, I'm not asking you, I'm not, I, I, because many of us are not called to leave our jobs to go to the mission field. But we've been called to leverage our jobs for that field. Not called to leave, but called to leverage. And that's what Greater is all about. It's about leveraging your resources for kingdom impact. And the book that you received today on the cover of this book is Burkina Faso. A small West African country. That this year, an opportunity came to print the Fire Bible, which is a full-life study Bible. If you go to any one of the campuses in, in the four-year area, in the lobby area, the hub area, there's a resource center, and this is the Bible that we have. And that Bible is a, is a full-study Bible, and many times there are pastors that can't get to Bible colleges or can't get a formal education. This gives them everything that they need to know, but it's done in their heart language. So the heart language that this Bible is going to be pr produced in for Burkina Faso is Moray. So in the Moray language, there's going to be a Bible that's produced that you and I, we're going to partner together. And we're going to do something we've never done before. In one year, we're going to see, we're going to fund the translation of this particular Bible for this particular people group in one year. We're going to partner with two other churches. It's $500,000 total to get it across the line. And we're going to do that. And, and it's not just going to be us, but we're going to do this together. And, and it, it's one of the big projects that we have this year. And you're going to hear more about it. There's going to be a special Fire Bible Sunday. But as you give, as you commit to giving, this is what part of what you're giving to. So it, what's interesting in this, and I don't have time to unpack all of this, but prior to my meeting with, with, with the director and the president of Life Publishers regarding, hey, where, where are some opportunities to be able to, we want to partner, we, want to, we know that the gospel is preaching to all the world, then the end shall come. We want to get the Bible produced in heart languages that it's currently not produced in. Where do we go? What do we do? And he brings up Burkina Faso. Well, what was interesting was three weeks prior, I'd been on a phone call with a colleague who I serve on the board with for Convoy of Hope, who had lived in Burkina Faso, who her and her husband were pretty, how do I say this? Just they have some really good connections with the U.S. State Department, let's just say it that way. And they had been there, lived there, and we were talking about some feeding initiatives that were happening through the church in Burkina Faso that Convoy of Hope was a part of. 
And so then I reached out and said, hey, we're looking at this. What do you think? And she was so overjoyed with excitement uh, to say, this, Aaron, this is an amazing opportunity, and this is great. And she said, but you need to understand there are windows of opportunity in what's happening. I'm just going to read you an excerpt of the email that she sent me. She said, I'm so excited about the potential of Fire Bible making its way to Burkina Faso. Burkina is an amazing country that is struggling right now. The child soldiers, the school raids, and the forced jihaded, or jihad recruitments uh, that are what tug on my heartstrings. That said, Burkina is a gorgeous country that is well worth the investment. Although currently the State Department website reads, do not travel to Burkina Faso due to terrorism, crime, and kidnapping. And then she invited me to go with her and her husband next week to Burkina Faso. <laughs> In the last six years, Burkina Faso has gone from a religiously tolerant, safe, and relatively politically stable country to one that's been rocked by three coups. The encroachment of al-Qaeda and ISIS is nearly in every single province. The terrorist urgency has displaced almost 2 million men, women, and children. Just this week, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Channel, reported 50 women, girls, and babies were kidnapped by jihadists while collecting leaves and wild berries. The only remaining safe havens within Burkina Faso are the capital and two other cities. Throughout the rest of the country, ethnic and religious violence, kidnapping, banditry, and general unrest are rampant in a country that ranks fourth poorest in the UN index. The current situation leaves this country in a severe situation with food shortages, jihadists blocking the roads by which humanitarian and food supplies are normally traveled. Despite this dire situation, Burkina Faso remains a country worth investing in. The church is a beacon of light and darkness, and the people there are resilient, and they yearn for return to more peaceful times. So when you give, when you make a commitment, when you take this commitment card and you fill this out, and as you give to greater, that's what you're giving to. We're going to physically, excuse me, we're going to spiritually drive back the darkness by physically producing God's word and placing it in the hands of every pastor in that country and being able to do everything that we can to stand behind them as brothers and sisters in Christ who are literally living on the front lines. Third thing is go. Yeah, we pray. Yes, we give. But we have to also go. Romans 10, chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never hear about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. It's not just enough to pray. It's not just enough to give. There have to be people that go. Go. Uproot their lives and go. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is simply go on a missions trip or go serve in the city of Milwaukee at Life Center. But before I get to that, though, I want to back up from my time in the UAE this, and the Middle East and, and what these missionaries ask me. I've never been asked this. I'm 51. I've never been asked this ever before. This was a statement. Thank you for your prayers. We appreciate them. And thank you for your financial giving. We appreciate it. But right now, we don't need more prayer. We don't need more money. What we need are people. And we don't need your Bible college graduates. Whew, thank God for that. <laughs> we need engineers. 
and teachers, medical professionals. We need people that are professionals that will pass the sniff test to leave the comforts of their home. Young adults that will leave and go to university and basically study in order to, to, to get themselves embedded in the countries where they're close to the gospel, but they're open to expats, they're open to U.S. citizens coming in and working and being there and living a life in such a way that will change that country, that will bring the gospel, where the gospel will be preached to all the world and then the end shall come. Because the only way these people are going to hear the gospel is by one person telling another person, one-on-one discipleship. One of the missionaries has an undergrad in some type of political science, got a master's degree, an MBA at Harvard, and looked at me and said, I knew when I was a kid growing up in a local Assemblies of God church that I was called to go into missions. But the Lord spoke to my heart, and I got wisdom from a missionary that says, do not go to a theological school or any type of college or university that has Bible or any type of a Christian name in it because it will thwart what what I want to do in your life. Highly intelligent individual. So this individual said, so I went here, and the door opened to go to Harvard. The door opened, and so now I'm a highly sought-after person to be able to go into any of these countries. And my my, uh, uh, academic resume is so highly sought after that it opens doors. But I'm there for one reason, to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about money. It's not about fortune. It's not about fame. No one will ever know his name. But heaven will. They took us to Muscat, Oman. We got into this, we were told we had to roll up our pants legs and get into this fishing boat. There was nothing bougie about this. It was this wood, wooden boat, and a dozen of us were going to crawl into it. And these waves were beginning to go eight foot, nine foot. They felt like 25 foot. I don't think they were that high, but Ryan was with me. I thought, we're going over. We're not getting to where they're going to take us. And they took this boat with this, little, with this fisherman, local fisherman, out past the cove, out into the open waters, and back into this rocky cliff kind of a cove area. where We jumped out, pulled the boat in. And there are a handful of graves. One above the ground that was noted. The others basically had no names on them. And we asked, what are we doing here? And they said, we're going to explain this to you. But you need to know, these are Christians that have died in country because they're not allowed to be buried next to Muslims because, or in a Muslim cemetery because they're infidels. And they walked over and they stood around the, uh, the grave of a man who had died in 1891, Bishop Thomas French. He was, he was born in, in January 1, 1825 in Stratford, England, University of Oxford grad in, in 1848, felt called to missions and was sent out by the Anglican Church in 1850 and goes to India as a missionary. Learned seven languages. In 1863, he has to return to England because of health issues where he'll stay for the next 15 years and he'll work in the Anglican church there. And in 1887, excuse me, 1877, he returns back to India because that's his heart and passion. Be there for 10 more years, but has to return back yet again to England for health issues. In 1890, the fall of the year, 
The missionaries tell us the stories. They stood around this, we stood around this grave. That he preached a message talking about the need for people to go to the Middle East, expressly to go to Muscat, Oman, and to be willing to give of their lives and be willing to go and share the gospel with these that had never heard it before because there had never been a missionary to Muscat, Oman, to the country. Will you go, he said. Will you go, he said. Will you go, he said. And he fervently preached, and he gave everything that he had, and no one responded to the altar call. And if you've ever been a preacher, that's your greatest fear. Anybody want to be saved? And it's just crickets. Anybody want to give? And nothing comes in the offering. Anyone want to go? And no one stands up. No one responded. So with his health issues intact, not really having a heart for Oman as much as he had a heart for India, which is not that far away the way the crow flies, but still yet very much different people group, very much different uh, uh, religious issues, even different language. But he said no one else will go. So on February the 4th, 1891, he leaves England for Muscat, Oman. And if you do the math, he only lives for a handful of months. The first Christian missionary to that country. So we stand there. Wet from the spray of that ocean and that boat. And it was one of those holy moments for me. It's one of those moments where I just drop my head and just go, oh God, <laughs> I'm not giving enough. I'm not going enough. What do you want? They ask us to pray. I couldn't pray. I didn't have any words. I was so gutted because I'm standing around men who have moved their families from the U.S. They've gone to university and they've gotten degrees in order not to, not to build a name for themselves or not to build a 401k or some type of portfolio or to send their kids to college, but they're, they're giving of themselves because they're called. The Holy Spirit spoke to their heart and he called them. They didn't ask money from me. They didn't ask prayer from me. They just said, do you know anyone else that could come and stand with us? Go. Go. In that moment, the Holy Spirit really spoke something in my heart that one of the things that I really want us to see in these next these, this next decade is not only do we increase our missions giving, but we increase our mission sending. That we would have 100 missionaries that would come out of one of these Life Church campuses. And you go, that's crazy. Stand in line and get a Diet Coke and a bag of Funyuns. I've heard that before. But I believe that God's going to speak to people's hearts. I believe that there'll be men and women that will maybe in the, in, the, in the retirement years of their life go, I have this ability and I've got this gifting and I can go to different parts of the world and I'd be willing to go and be willing to serve and be willing to give of myself if, that, if that's what it needs. I believe there are going to be teenagers and high school kids that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to their heart just like it did to that, that MBA Harvard grad that I spoke to you about just a minute ago who said, hey, this, I'm calling you, but I'm setting you apart. It's going to be a different path and it may feel different, but this is what I want you to do. I believe that we're going to have, have, have LLC students that are going to go to the far-flung places of the earth. I believe there's going to be families that God's going to speak, and God's going to speak sovereignly in a way that only He can. And it won't be me speaking. It'll be the Holy Spirit. Because why? 
The gospel's got to be preached in all the world, and then, then the end shall come. Well, why don't you go? Oh, I volunteer every single missionary trip. Ask my wife. There's always a phone call. We're like, do you think maybe we should just pack up and move to Dubai and just go? I mean, there's a lot of churches where we are. Somebody else could pastor Life Church, but there's not a lot of people that are willing. Should we just go? See, I get tired of people telling me that why we can't do something. And, and, and I get tired sometimes of interviewing staff members that are trying to attract them to Milwaukee. And they say to me, it's cold in Milwaukee. Yeah, there's nothing I can do about that. There's a lot of snow in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, there is, but not as much as there is in the UP. Hey, far away from family. Well, there's airplanes and there's cars and you can get, and it's, and I just think to myself, I hope those people don't stand behind someone else on the day of judgment behind one of these missionaries and go, I'm not willing to go because it was cold or far away from family. I believe God's raising up a generation in this day and this time that are gonna be world changers, that are people that are tired of living for the status quo. They're tired of living for the here and now. And they're saying, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. That's what we're called to do. Because serving Jesus is not easy. Serving Jesus is not simple. Serving Jesus is not uncomplicated. Serving Jesus is not safe. So today, I'm out of time. I'm going to ask you to grab this commitment card. And on the backside of this commitment card, there's a place for your name and an email and a phone number. I'm going to ask you to just, just, just grab it. Even if you have no intention of writing anything down on it, if you, just, if you would just humor me for a minute at every single campus, just grab that. Just grab that card. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you, you can give me whatever information that you want to give me, but I'm going to ask that you just put your name on there, email, phone number, whatever, however you want to be contacted. And then I'm first of all going to ask you to pray. Will you pray for the missionaries that are in this book? Will you pray that the gospel be preached around all the world in the end shall come? Will you pray that we will see God speak to hearts and lives? Not me, not you, but the Lord speak to hearts and lives to send ministers and missionaries and businessmen and businesswomen to go change our world. Secondly, I'm gonna ask that you, I will commit to go. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're having to go on a missions trip. So whew, glad we got that one out of the way. But what it does say is I'm willing I'm not asking you to give up of your job either. I see some of you going, is this the part where I'm like leaving my job and moving to the Middle East? No, 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 no. That's next week. This is just, that's a joke. Next week, we're doing a whole series on relationships. You'll be, want to come back and be a part of that. Totally different than this. No, this is, hey, you know what? I, I'm willing to go. So here's what I'm asking about that is we're going to be doing mission trips. Missions is caught, not taught. You want to know why I get so passionate? It's because when I am in an international context, there's God moments where God speaks to my heart and revives that for lost and hurting people. Without that, I'd be one very self-indulgent individual, but it breaks the pride and it breaks this and it reminds me that this is what we're called to do. Now I'll go on a mission trip or I'd be at least be open to somebody contacting me and telling me what the options are. Another thing right there is Life Center. If you, I just had a conversation this week. Do you realize in Milwaukee alone, we're, we fed 1,400 families this last month from the food pantry. I saw the list of the names. 1,400. That little 1,500,000 square foot space. They're, they're lining up to be able to do this. And we were told that there was no need, that there was no 
we, we, we didn't have enough need for demand in Milwaukee for another food pantry. Well, there, apparently there is. There's people that are in need. And so we, we, have, we have needs of opportunities to serve. Right now on Friday afternoons, I need workers. I need people that are willing to go and just volunteer some time. If you have one hour a day, excuse me, one hour a week, you've got one afternoon, whatever you have. If you're interested in that, just write Life Center. You can just see I've written it right here. Just write Life Center on that card. And what's going to happen if you write Life Center? You're not obligating yourself to anything, but immediately what's going to happen is tomorrow by Tuesday morning, the next 48 hours, you're going to receive an email or a call, text, whatever information that you give us to that address basically saying, here is, here's an, a way for you to be able to let us know what, here's some opportunities where you'd like to serve so you can get connected. Because right now, I need workers. I need people that would be willing to volunteer their time at 56th and Burleigh and be able to go and to serve. So again, whew, he's not asking me to leave my life and my family. No, I'm asking you to just serve around the corner on this one. And the third is I commit to give. That's pretty self-explanatory. This is about finances. And so this will be a conversation that maybe you need to have with a spouse. Maybe you need to, but it's to set a goal. Because the goal this year is 1540000 If you total this book up, that's where it's at. Do I have more oppor- options and opportunities to give than that? Yes. But this is, right now, is where we are. So it's $1.5 million in opportunities to be able to give. And if you want to direct it in some particular area, that's completely fine. Most people just say, hey, man, this is what I'm doing every month. This is what I'm doing. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Look at what you did last year and maybe go, hey, do we need to increase that? Do we need to do that? And I, that's between you and the Lord. You're a generous church and you get that. But I'm asking, would you just be willing to say, hey, this is... This is what we want to do. And go, well, why do you need to know an amount? Why? It just helps us to be able to, over the course of the year, if, if all of a sudden we got 2.2 million of commitments, then we'll be, hey, we need to have, we need to have another 700,000 opportunities in the queue. Doesn't say we're committing to them. We need to have them in the queue. If we have less, then we go, okay, we just need to watch this and monitor this and make sure, because we're going to run at the speed of your generosity. We're not going to give money that we don't have. We're not going to obligate you for things that we don't have the ability to do, but based upon previous behaviors, the best indicator of future behavior. And so we kind of have an idea of where that aggregate is and how that works. And so your giving us an amount gives us an idea of where that is. I'm out of time. Shocking. Tried to speak slower this week than last week, but I just want to pray. I want to pray, and we just take this commitment card and in your hand, this greater commitment card. And when I say amen over this, the ushers at every campus are going to come and they're going to pass the buckets. You can drop these in. If you need more time, take your time. But I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. The secret sauce to Life Church is not the pastor, it's not the campus pastor, it's not the music, it's not programming, it's not location, it's not marketing. It's not search engine optimization. It's what we're talking about today. You have a heart for people around the corner and around the world. You have a heart to help people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and do the good work of the Bible to people that are far away from him. And as long as our heart, that's the heart of Christ. As long as it's that, God's gonna bless this church. God's going to bless you and your family for being connected to a church like this. Again, it has nothing to do with me. 
It has to do with you and I, us, our. We'd say in the South, y'all, heart to do the work of the ministry, to have the gospel proclaimed in the, all the world and then the end will come. Father, I just thank you today for these people. And I just thank you for what you've done in the last year. $1.4 million given to missions. Wow. Around the corner, around the world. Investing in the next generation. Investing in, in, camp, in campus expansion. Investing in, in what we would call classic missions and missionaries. Investing in, in humanitarian and compassion projects. Investing in Bible schools and the word of God being preached and taught. And I just pray that today you would speak to people's hearts and they would respond to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just minister. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just, that we would do what you're asking us to do. That we would commit to pray and really pray. We'd commit to, to go. We'd commit to give. Whatever that looks like. And God, I'm not so much concerned about an amount of time or money, but wouldn't it be awesome if 100% of people that call Life Church home were committed to this cause of greater? Speak to your people. They're yours, Lord. This is your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.